Welcome to Amplify, the personal brand business show. Today on the show, Bob is speaking with Steve Woodruff. Every single one of us has a title on our business card that's written in invisible ink. You don't even know it's there, but you have it, I have it, everybody has it. And that title is Communication Designer. We all design every communication that we're making that's deliberate and purposeful. I'm not talking about just jabbering in the coffee shop, but emails, presentations, podcasts, blog posts, pitches, all of it, leadership meetings. We're either going to be good communication designers or not good. Hi there, and welcome back to the Personal Brand Business Show. My name is Bob Gentle, and every week, I speak with incredible people who share their secrets to building, marketing, and monetizing their expertise and the mindset you need for your business to grow and thrive. If you're new to the show, then while you still have your device in your hand, take a second to subscribe. That way you won't miss a single thing. So sales and marketing can be boiled down to one simple thing, clear communication. But as we all know, getting clear about clarity can be kind of unclear. So today, to help us get to the point, Steve Woodruff is joining us. Steve, welcome to the show. Bob, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So Steve, I often fall into the trap of diving straight into chatting about what people do. And I fail to let them have the opportunity to get clear about who they are, where they are, and what they do right at the beginning. I often stumble over it for a little while and then realize I need to go back and do that. So, for the listener who's meeting you for the first time, can you maybe start by just telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you do? Sure. So, I am a solopreneur, have been for 17 years, and I worked for a couple of 10-year periods with two small companies before that. Most of that has been in the healthcare and life sciences arena, as well as training and marketing. So, I've had much business experience in hands-on selling, marketing, consulting, teaching. And during that time, Bob, as I worked with a lot of clients and I worked with a lot of individuals, it became clear to me, first of all, how crucial it was to have a good grasp of my strengths, who I am, and to get clarity around my makeup, my differentiation, because I worked with imposter syndrome for years being a salesperson and I didn't really like sales at all. So in my mid-40s, I finally realized that my key word is consultant. I am a consultant. I like to figure stuff out, systematize it, fix things. And I found that growing realization of who I was and then why that should shape my professional direction to be incredibly liberating. So what I've done a lot of in the intervening years is work with individuals and small companies on their brand, on their identity, on their messaging, because I think it's about the most important thing you can have to make any impact in in a noisy marketplace. You've got to have a clear, focused message. But in the process, I also developed perspectives about clarity in general all forms of communication, project management and leadership and marketing. So that led me to author a couple of books, one called Clarity Wins in 2018 and uh, my new book, The Point, which is essentially a universal formula 
for clear communications that any person in any role can apply to become a great communicator. And so at this sort of late stage in my career, I'm basically relaunching. Somebody once called me the king of clarity, and I just loved that brand. And so I've adopted it, and that's who I am. And so if you need to think of one, what I call a memory dart, Steve Woodruff is the king of clarity. So I, I saw the word memory dart on your website earlier, and I was going to ask you about it. I've heard of memory hooks, but a dart is, I guess, much more directional. It's much more intentional. I really like that. Memory dart is my replacement for the often hated term elevator pitch. Mm. I hate that term. Nobody wants to talk in an elevator and nobody wants to be pitched. But the idea of compressing your message into a few words or a short statement is incredibly valuable. And I call that a memory dart because people don't have a huge amount of capacity and bandwidth for a complicated message. We've got to get it across in seconds. And so any company, any brand, any individual, you want to distill your crucial message into memory darts that people will light, will turn on quickly in their minds and they'll remember you. Otherwise, if we sound like a commodity, we are a commodity. I, th I think as well, as, as a species, we're designed to ignore similarity. And if you, what you do is kind of similar to the next guy, if you look kind of similar to the next guy, you will be ignored. Correct. And what's interesting, and you'll have experienced this all the time, is when you speak to a business owner or a corporation, it doesn't really matter. They know what makes them different. They passionately believe they're different, but they almost consistently fail to communicate that difference. That's that correct. Difference I actually is have a advantage. I have a term for that. It's called just another syndrome. And so if, so if you meet somebody and they say, I'm a banker, I'm a lawyer, I'm a real estate, in our minds, they are just another banker yeah. until they're not, until they find a way to differentiate. And you're right. The human mind is looking, is a pattern matching machine. And if everything's the same, we just ignore it. It goes to the background. So one of our challenges is to articulate in a way that is easily received by others, what it is that makes us not just another this or that. So I'm in danger of jumping straight into the weeds here, but I don't want to do that. I think I'd like to look first at how you go to market with your, your books and the frameworks that they embody. What does your business look like? I think mm -hmm. that's, that's the question I'm essentially asking. So the major business for me is delivering corporate workshops, okay? The principles of the book and of Clarity are completely universal to the point of being actually useful for 8 billion human beings. That's not a differentiating position, though. So much of my work is going into corporations. A lot of them have traditionally been in the life sciences, pharma, biotech, med devices, healthcare, and delivering workshops anywhere from an hour to a half day to a full day to multiple days. They can be virtual. They can be live. Teaching and showing people how to get to the point, how to be clear in email, in presentations, in personal brands, in leadership, in purpose statements. Every single aspect of communication needs to be sharpened by clarity. And so I do modules on all these different functions that we all use for communication because we can all get better 
using the same set of simple tools. And this is really getting to the point, I guess. When you're a solopreneur and you're selling almost what I call consumers to other solopreneurs, often you're selling through social media or you're selling through content marketing or you're selling through webinars and things like that. When you're selling to corporates, it's very different. And a lot of the time you have a very brief window to get attention. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be really clear what's in the box. And I think this is where a lot of people fall down when it comes to sales and selling is yes. they know where they're valuable. They know how to, to get the opportunity to pitch, but then getting clear about what's in the box. Yes. Nicely wrapped up in the bow. How did you approach that specifically? I think one of the biggest challenges in any kind of brand, in any kind of company positioning is pruning the five things we could go to market with and settling on a lead offering in a lead message. It's really hard to do. Nobody wants to sacrifice the five things. We want to say, I got to cast a wide net in case I can get this or that or the other. And my first book argues exactly the opposite. You want to pigeonhole yourself. You want to say, here is exactly what I do. Here's exactly who I do it for. And here's exactly how I do it. Because you want to occupy that unique memory address in somebody's mind. And you Mm. can't do that if you say, I do this and that and that and that and that. The same thing happens on LinkedIn and on resumes. People put too much information too much variety saying, got to cast a wide net. The wide net and the too much information trap are the killers of being referable because no one can refer you unless you occupy a very specific space. And I advocate for business development should be referral based primarily. We all know that's that's the way it works. And the first book, Clarity Wins, it talks about get heard, get referred creating memory darts, distilling your message, simplifying, being narrowly focused is the key to gaining referrals. So if you came to me, Bob, and you said, hey, I'm a podcaster. I do podcasts about electric vehicles, windmills, oceanography, marketing, Romanian literature, and Mars. There's no way I know what to do with you. I wouldn't know who to refer in your direction. Your listeners wouldn't know what they're getting either. And so that's a recipe for failure. You may have interest in all those things, but you got to settle on a lead message. So when you're going out to market, are you going out to market specifically to the corporate audience and then other stuff just gets picked up in the halo of that? Yeah, the way I approach it is every one of us can usually do a few things as a company or as an individual. So I can do a few things. There's some consulting I do. There's some career coaching I do. And I've had a hard time letting that messaging go. But what I've often told people is you've got to keep things in your back pocket that are a distraction from your main message. Focus on the main message. And then if somebody says, oh, you know what I could use? Oh, well, by the way. I do that also. But if you take that by the way and you mix that up with your main message, you then become confusing. So there are three or four different things I do, but I 
I want people and my rebranded website has, and I had to actually had to have an outside agency force me to be clear, force me Mm -hmm. to be focused, stop trying to do three things and just say workshops and keynotes, workshops and keynotes, clear communications, get to the point. That's the thing. And I knew they were right because I've told so many people the same thing, but man, it was hard to let go. (laughs) So when it comes to corporate workshops, I mean, your website is really clear. It's really clear what you do. It's nice and simple. It's one of the simplest and easiest to say yes to websites I've come across. So what's nice about that is I described what's in the box is really, really clear. Mm -hmm. So how do you join the line between the person that you think might have a need and the sales conversation? What's your clear process for that? My process uh, developed over years is... I can say something by indirect means, advertising, email, newsletters, a hundred times, and it won't sink in. It it doesn't matter. But I do know that in the process for me, if I can get someone on the phone for 15 or 20 minutes, it's game over. Yeah. That's what I need. So my process is not so much a sophisticated lead funnel as it is to have an incredibly simple message and to get somebody to talk to me. And so I've stripped it down to that because I know that's what works. Now, other people may have different offerings that require a different type of a system, different approach, but that's my approach. And then the vast majority of the new work I get is still referrals. It's not Mm. from the newsletters or the websites or the Google searches or it's, it's referrals. Yeah. I think that's a really important lesson for anybody that I often ask people, opportunity can come through one of four doors. It can come through outbound sales. It can come through ads. It can come through content and content marketing, or it can come through our relationships. Mm -hmm. And if you are really, really, really clear about who you are and what you do, relationships are often going to be the thing that changes the game. Exactly. All of those other things. A lot of the most successful people I know, they have all of those doors covered. But the game changing opportunities will always come through relationships. It's um, true. And, and being I, I, in the professional world, I started in sales. So I did a lot of outreach. I mean, tons of outreach. And I always had this, this compulsion to reach the entire market, you know, this universal blanketing nonsense. Uh, but I, and for years, that just sort of brewed under me as my approach. But then multiple times in the last 15 years, I've stepped back and said, all right, where's my business, my revenue really coming from? And it's usually like four clients or four clients and three consultants that like to refer me. And I had to stop and say, don't be obsessed with trying to be a sales monster. Just cultivate these relationships and make them work. And, and as a solopreneur, I don't have any choice. I mean, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to buy billboards on Times Square. I'm not going to be up on a rocket ship. So that's how I have to work. And I think as well, when, you, when your core offering is, is corporate, it's going to tend to be, to be blunt, a bigger ticket offering than if it was selling a one-off coaching package to right. a small business owner. Right. And therefore, you need less to be sustained. Correct. And I, I had to learn that. I had to learn that lesson. When I started my business, I was doing a lot of consult brand consulting with small businesses and individuals. 
it was not sustainable. It was totally inconsistent. It did not provide steady cash flow. As much as I felt great about it, mm. as effective as I was at it, and as passionate as I still am about it, it was not a good solid foundation for business. And so the workshops are, and that stuff is in my back pocket. So I still do it, but mm. I know where the, the revenue is. Yeah, it's, it's like we discussed earlier with a halo effect. If, as long as you know where you're focusing, then other people will get caught up in the halo of that. And if you have products and services to support them, you maybe don't focus on promoting them, then you can still monetize those opportunities. And you can still serve those people in other ways through, for example, your books and your own content. Right. Which I guess is a good place to go next. So you have a new book. It is called The Point. It is a fantastic name. And I guess the simple question is, what's the point? <laughs> So the point of the book is that every single one of us has a title on our business card that's written in invisible ink. You don't even know it's there, but you have it, I have it, everybody has it. And that title is Communication Designer. We all design every communication that we're making that's deliberate and purposeful. I'm not talking about just jabbering in the coffee shop, but emails, presentations, podcasts, blog posts, pitches, all of it, leadership meetings. We're either going to be good communication designers or not good. So the purpose, the point of this book is to say there are some standard, typical, simple ways. I boiled it down to four rules and eight tools that someone can stand out above the noise not be caught in just another syndrome and be able to communicate quickly and effectively in the way that the human brain likes it. And it's all based on brain science. And so that's the thing that's most convincing about the formula in this book is once you understand how the brain wants information, then it becomes very straightforward to say, oh, no wonder I've got to use stories. No wonder I've got to make better use of the subject line so that people see immediately. No, no wonder I've got to have a hook right away in a presentation. You don't have 15 minutes of attention span. You've got seconds. And those first few seconds, the moment of truth, getting to the point, that's what's going to make or break any communicator. Hi, it's Bob here. If you're listening to the show and thinking, this is way out of reach for me, I get it, but I want you to stop. Working with me one-to-one -one or in a group on your business is accessible and affordable, no matter what stage your business is at. Just open your email, draft a message to bob at amplifyme.agency or search for at Bob Gentle on any social media platform. Direct message me, tell me your story, and I'll do my very best to help make sure that the next chapter is the best yet. Hi, it's Bob here. If you're listening to this show and thinking, this is way out of reach for me, I get it. But I want you to stop. Working with me one-to-one -one or in a group on your business is accessible and affordable, no matter what stage your business is at. Just open your email, draft a message to bob at amplifyme.agency or search for at Bob Gentle on any social media platform. Direct message me, tell me your story and I'll do my very best 
to help make sure that the next chapter is the best yet. So with a nice simple framework like that, as one of my mentors coined the phrase, frameworks foster freedom. And I really like that. And I've really taken that to heart because most people can't handle complex processes, but if you have a simple framework, they're easily to mentally retain and they're very easy to communicate. And what I love about them is like a tourist map. You, you know, there's lots of complex geography there, but most of it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is I am not going with kids. I'm going with my wife. What matters to me? Mm -hmm. And we have four tools and four rules and eight tools. Can you very briefly run me through this tourist map to communication, the four rules? Let's start with those. Sure. Obviously not giving away the whole book. Yeah. Well, the four rules, I actually break the rules because I start with rule number two. Okay. Rule number two is the one that's most intuitive that we all understand as soon as we hear it, which is get to the point. We all have experienced the frustration of trying to deal with people who cannot get to the point. And then sometimes that's us, actually. So the reason why getting to the point is so important is that the human brain is processing 11 million bits of information per second from all five senses. And when you are focused on one person, one thing, that's a 60-bit information flow. So here's the mathematical neurobiological challenge we all have. I've got to win the 60-bit battle of focus against 11 million bits of competition. How in the world do I do that? Well, it's because the brain has something called the reticular activating system, the RAS. That's our key to the front door. The RAS is what takes all that stuff, pushes the vast majority of the background, and causes us to focus on what is most personally relevant right now or as salespeople would, would say, the what's in it for me. The key to gaining attention is to front load our communications with relevance, something interesting, new, and important that will grab attention and get people locked in. We don't have, as I mentioned, 15 minutes. We've got seconds or milliseconds, and maybe in the case of a presentation, two minutes. We don't have much time. People have known this forever. 30-second TV ads. I mean, the attention span issue is nothing new. I'm not talking about anything new. But the fact is, you have to understand what the brain's wanting, which is instant relevance. So we have to get to the point. That's rule two. Rule one is a real simple d derivative. You have to have a point. <laughs> and <laughs> many times people try to communicate. They haven't even articulated to themselves what the direction, what the purpose, what the point is. And so I describe in the book, the process that I advocate, which is called the A to B shift, where people are thinking, feeling, and acting a certain way. And I want them as a result of this communication to think and act and feel a different way. What is that delta? What's that change? If I can articulate the shift, that is the point. Now I know where we're going. So you have to have a point, then you get to the point. The third rule is you got to get the point across, which means we have to arrive at shared meaning and understanding and memory. I can't just throw words at you and assume that we have the same definitions, the same ideas, the same experiences. That's not true. We all have a whole different set of things. 
So there are tools, and the eight tools come into this category. How do you simplify information to make sure it turns the lights on in people's minds and gets it across? And then the fourth rule is, especially in business, but not only in business, we're looking to get on the same page. We want to arrive at, at shared meaning, alignment, understanding, action items, and it needs to be documented. You don't leave it floating up in the air. You actually have to write it down. The human brain wants summaries. So this very simple flow using terms that we're all familiar with, have a point, get to the point, get it across, get on the same page, is a universal framework for anything, whether it's a quick email or whether it's a book or whether it's a podcast or whether it's a 30-second TV ad or a marketing campaign. That's how it works because the brain wants what it wants the way it wants it. And once we have that framework in our heads, it then shapes the way we package or design the communication so that it's brain friendly. So I use that term brain friendly a lot because the key to this is taking whatever the information you have, it may be a lot of it's valuable, you got to make it brain friendly to get it through. I think for me, this is so important and i think everybody will recognize particularly on social media attention is so hard to gain and then on the odd occasion when you have got it it's like somebody threw you the ball as a kid well what do i do with it now they're just not ready for it right and you see a few people who have almost instinctively discovered the kind of thing that you describe there and you see them really winning mm-hmm. and having a framework to systematically cultivate and convert attention is potentially really, really potent. And I can see, like you said, how that can be used in social, how it can be used in email, but in the wider sense, simply communicating the values of an organization and why it's different, it's really powerful. Yeah. One of the things that really burdens my heart is the number of companies that have not come up with clear purpose statements. And I don't mean just out of the box, generic jargon, vision, mission statements. I mean, clear purpose statements that their employees can rally around. And then Bob, there is a really unexplored venue for so many things. You need purpose statements in the different divisions of a company. So a company's purpose statement can be kind of high in 30,000 foot, but an HR department and the people in the HR department, they have a different set of purposes and a different mission. And the clinical research has a different set and sales training has a different set. And what often happens is these departments or divisions don't have their own clear purposes and then they don't have a way to get people aligned and in agreement and moving together. So purpose statements, clarity around purpose can go all the way to the top, all the way to the individual and every level in between. And it may sound like a lot of trouble to do it, but once you do it, you're saving yourself an enormous amount of miscommunication, trouble, repeating yourself because now we know what we're doing. It's all written down. What springs to mind for me is I, Mark Schaefer, who I know you know, I, I can't, don't remember exactly which book it was that he talks about this, but it's in any org- in organizations these days, we have increasing virtualization, we have increasing remote work and a labor force that feels increasingly commoditized. That's mm-hmm. the trend. 
And so in an organization, we know that's the case to a large extent. And offset against that, we have a leader or a leadership team, often, who really do care, who really are passionate about what they do. But it's this whole thing of if a tree falls in the forest and nobody heard it, does it exist? Mm -hmm. So as a leadership team, if you're able to articulate what's in your heart, then that offers a competitive advantage. Your team will no longer feel commoditized. They will like you. They will go out and bat for you. They will know why they're getting up in the morning. Right. That is so powerful. It is. And uh, I, I aim a lot of what I'm doing at leaders because it really is up to leaders to drive good communication practices and to demonstrate it, first of all. So if the leaders are great at distilling information, at giving clear summaries of information, at setting direction, then it can cascade up and down the organization. But somebody somewhere in charge has to say, here's where we're going. Here's how to say it. And here's what we're doing. And yeah. a lot of times that's just left floating up in the air or it's left in the realm of foggy jargon. Oh, well, we're here to create uh, verifiable business results that result blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you and 16,000 yeah. other companies, they're all saying the same thing. Jargon is the worst, is one of the worst enemies of clarity because it's trying to say a bunch of things without saying anything. I think, I think if I were to use an athletic analogy, we, on the one hand, we have I don't want to name names here, but in some organizations, it just so happens that naturally charismatic people have risen to the top. And then it's quite natural and organic. But this is where the athletics analogy comes in. This whole thing of hard work wins where hard work beats talent where talent doesn't work. You can train for charisma. Mm -hmm. And your framework there is essentially an art, an art, it's a, it's a shortcut to becoming a charismatic athlete, if you like. Yeah. That's a terrible analogy. But busy leaders don't have time for complex processes. They don't have time to learn how to be copywriters. They don't have time to learn how to be amazing speakers. But they do have time to quickly check a framework before they actually hit send on an email or allow a newsletter to be published. Right. Or before they maybe do a town hall for their team. And yeah, it's... I'm going to buy your book. It sounds really good. I don't say that <laughs> to every guest. And I, I, I don't normally get the chance to read them first. So apologies for that. The analogy I often use is, is setting a GPS. So the yeah. job of the leader is to set the GPS. Say, here is the direction we're going in. Now, if you adjust course correct along the way, that's fine. But you've got to have a destination. You've got to have a point B. And unless the people you're with, know what the purpose, the results, or Stephen Covey would say, begin with the end in mind. Unless we're making it clear what the purpose and direction is, people are not going to be motivated. And they're also going to make a lot of mistakes because they're not sure exactly what path they're supposed to be walking on. And then if the leaders don't make practical expectations clear on a day-to-day -day level, that's also a problem. Not only just the paint the destination picture, but it be able to say, you know, of the seven things that your job description involves, here are the three in order that are the most important. And of the eight hours per day that you're spending, these, this is the kind of allocation of time I'm expecting you to do. A lot of times that's just left floating up there and yeah. people are trying to figure out what they're, and nobody's making it clear exactly how things are ordered. Not complicated. It just needs to be done. 
So an area I'd like to go next is the whole topic of stories, because in communications, we know stories are important, but stories don't happen by accident and great stories definitely don't happen by accident. Something that I find quite often is a lot of people have no idea the stories that they actually have available to them, Mm -hmm. but capturing that and tapping into it is often like trying to move a mountain. So how do you work with people to uncover and capture and leverage their own stories? Stories are key to what I do when it comes to branding and and clarity. So when I work with a group or an individual, the first thing I do is let's talk about stories. I ask questions. What about your favorite client? What's a failure client? What's the most common thing? What's the role of the person that's usually making a decision? And I just ask a series of questions to uncover how things have been done in the past, where they want to go, what seems to work, what doesn't. And what always, always, always happens, Bob, is certain key words and themes begin to emerge as we talk and as I ask questions. And it's it's absolutely uncanny how this has always worked. But after about an hour or an hour and a half with somebody or a small group, I can say, you know what? It sounds like what you folks are really all about is this. And I put it in a short statement or two and boom, the lights come on. Mm. Why? Because I'm on the outside. I can look at it. You can't read the label of the jar you're in. So they're captured by their own subjective stuff, their own stories. They don't know what's relevant from an outsider's perspective. And so one of the services that I do for people, which I actually don't talk about on the website anymore because it's in my back pocket, is the kind of, you know, short consulting gigs to figure out your brand because you got to arrive at those themes and then we settle on keywords. We've got to find the keywords, just a few that really encapsulate what you're all about. Once you've got success stories, origin stories, and keywords, you've got the foundation of being able to articulate what you're all about and wrap it into appropriate stories when you talk to others. So I encourage my people to always have an origin story. I started here. I got to here. Then this happened. I have a format for it. Then this happened. Now I'm doing this. And where I really want to go is there. The origin story shows how you started, which is usually nothing like what you anticipated. Something or someone happened. You're now doing this and you want to go this way. And it's a summary of your arc your professional arc. And if you have that, you can shape your direction better. You can interview more intelligently because you know where you're going, not just happenstance. So you got to have an origin story. You got to have success stories. You know, this kind of instance was where I really shine because this strength and that strength came to the fore. You want to have those stories too. And sometimes failure stories to illustrate the opposite. So stories are, are fabulous and, and I find and I use stories as my key networking tool as well. So I'm an introvert, believe it or not. And uh, I have had to learn how to network. I've had to learn how to be assertive, how to be outgoing. But I still prefer talking with one or two people. I don't like large crowds. I don't like noise. I don't like big I just don't. So my method of, of networking has always been just to kind of narrow down to somebody and just ask stories. Tell me how you got here. 
What were you trying to do? What What did you think you were going to do when you left high school? And then you ask more stories. And then you, and I call it story asking. So there's storytelling, there's story asking. And you can get somebody talking for an hour just by asking a string of questions. And they think you're the most wonderful person in the world because you took an interest in them. Yep. I, I can't remember who it was that said, <laughs> if, if, if you want to be the most interesting person in the room, ask questions. Or, yeah, no, yeah, I think that's what it was. I can't remember where I heard that. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. But it, it, it is the most powerful networking tool because this whole thing of nobody will remember what you said, but they will remember how you made them feel. And everyone loves talking about themselves. Correct. That's the, and that's feels the comfortable asking, answering questions. Yep. So. If I can get someone to answer the first question, and it's usually, how did you get here? And it gives them a chance to kind of talk about their history. Well, there, there's 25 questions I'm going to have right after. Was they, because, oh, what about that? How'd you end up at that college? Where's this? What's this? And then you, we're off to the races. And, and I'm very curious about people. So I love doing it. it. To me, it's fun. It's a blast. And sometimes I end up doing consultation or coaching right there because I'm pulling out the themes and figuring out their brand without even trying. Just let them talk. So I guess where I'm curious now is it's great to hear in people's businesses what is working, what they're great at, but it's always interesting as well to hear where somebody struggles in their business. And of all the things that you have to do, which are the areas of your business that you kind of struggle with the most? So one of the things, and I had to reach that that awareness when I went out on my own. So when I went out on my own, I had spent some time in two small companies and I had managed some people. I don't like managing people. I find it very draining. I don't enjoy it at all. Not like I'm a bad guy. I just don't like it. So I determined that I would go out and stay, and I have for 17 years, a solopreneur because that's my strongest skill. And I don't want to get involved in something that's going to suck me dry. Even if it could provide theoretically some short-term benefit, I'm just not going to do it. So when we get clarity around the things that we're really, really great at, the other side of that coin is we also get clarity around the things we're not great at. I am not great at automation. I am not great at numbers. I hate spreadsheets. I hate everything to do with accounting. I outsource all of it. I don't want to touch it. It's not like I'm stupid, but I've never liked math and I find it infinitely draining to deal. I tried to deal with my books for like the first three or four months when I went into business. I said, forget this, man. This is awful. (laughs) Let the people who are good deal with that. And so you have to learn where you can offload and, and be most effective. It sounds like we have a lot in common there. I wish I'd learned that I don't like managing people a lot earlier. But yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm very happy just being me and not having to tell people, not, not telling people what to do. Yeah, well, I brought up five kids. My wife and I have five boys or five young men now. And, and I, I love being a parent. I wanted to be a parent of five. And yet I found, especially as they got older, I found the managing of the household, the managing of the kids to be very tiring. 
And so it, it was an immense, and I love, we have a great relationship with our kids and they're all doing great, but it was a huge relief to me when they finally got self-sufficient and, and I didn't <laughs> have to be constantly thinking about every single thing with them uh, because I'm just not built that way, but other people are, and that's okay. That's good. So Steve, we've, I, we've, we've been talking for a little while and I'm very aware of the time. I don't want to take up too much of your time. And I feel we could probably go on for another hour. And at some point we probably should, <laughs> but I will bring this to a close by asking you the same question. I try to remember to ask every guest and that's what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago. The one thing I don't do now that I wish I'd started was something we, we mentioned earlier, and that was to practice what I'm preaching and get really narrow about what I was offering. I, I was, I floundered around trying to do multiple things and I got distracted. I got distracted when social media came on the scene. I thought, wow, I'm going to get social media and marketing are going to be my big thing. I got distracted by branding and I got, and some of that's just evolution. I mean, you just, you get through a process and you realize, okay, this isn't for me or this isn't my strong suit or there, nobody's going to, you know, I love this thing, but it's not. So I wish, I wish I had become more and more aware of where the real revenue opportunities were five years ago and just settled as opposed to floundering for as long as I did and, and experimenting for as long as I did. And what I've done recently, which is a real accomplishment, uh, is like everybody else, I'm fascinated with all this AI stuff. I do not have the time and energy to deal with that right now. I know it's important. I know it's a big deal. I know it's fascinating. And if I try to jump into that thing, I will drown. I, I just, <laughs> so I am just staying away from it for the time being as, as much as it's pulling at me to say, nope, I do workshops on communications. I help humans be better and I'll deal with machines and algorithms when I have leisure, but just, I, I just can't do it right now. Just can't. <laughs> That's a really good answer. And if people want to connect with you and they want to go deeper with you, where can they do that? So my website, stevewoodruff.com is the, the place to see who I am and what I do. I'm also very active on LinkedIn. So I have a newsletter on LinkedIn. I share a lot of information, LinkedIn I built a, a very broad network over time. And then um, Amazon is a great place to order. The first book is self-published, so it's only on Amazon. The second book is through Morgan James Publishers, so it's available on other outlets as well. But uh, so Clarity Wins and The Point are both available for people to get. And that's pretty much it. If you, if you forget all that and you say, well, just Google King of Clarity, then you'll find all that stuff. <laughs> Steve, Thank you very much for your time today. You have been a great guest. I've enjoyed it a lot. I've had, I've got, I've got so much to think about now. Hopefully the listener at home has as well. Thank you so much for your time. Bob, thank you so much. So that does bring us to the end of another episode. Thank you to you for listening. And if you did enjoy the show, then I would gently encourage you to leave a five-star review. That's five, one, two, three, four, and five, wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you did enjoy the show, then you will love the Personal Brand Business Roadmap. It's everything you need to start, scale, or fix your expert business. It's 50 pages, 100% free as a gift from me. And yeah, you'll find it at amplifyme.agency forward slash roadmap. Thanks again, Steve, for your time. Thanks for you at home for listening. And I'll see you next week.
right?